If you have uh, your Bible, I want you to go uh, to two passages today, Matthew chapter 9 and Mark chapter 2. Matthew 9 and Mark chapter 2. As uh, many of you know, we've been in a series called Living the Dream. And uh, this is really uh, not uh, just simply a motivational sermon, but prophetic messages where God on September 24th gave me three uh, uh, successive dreams in a row early on a Sunday morning. And God spoke something specific. And if you haven't been tracking the last couple of weeks, by the way, uh, listen, each week these messages are prophetically timed. There were people who came through the door last week who needed that message right on, that, on, on time. And here's what I want to let you know. Our God is on the move. He is moving. The Spirit of God is equipping us. By the way, did you know that God knows what you need before you ask for it? And sometimes he knows what you need when you don't even know what you need. Come on, that's pretty good. I'll tweet that later. Okay. All right. Now, God's speaking to us about the season that we're walking in. It's so good that right now in Florida, we, we have a season. All right. Well, actually, we have all four seasons every day. Okay. It's winter in the morning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then it's springtime. About, about 1030, it's spring, right? Two o'clock, we're back to summer. And then fall comes just a little bit later in the afternoon, okay? So uh, the only encouragement I can give to all of you is uh, pack a bag, okay? Every day, pack a bag, all right? And, and be ready for this. Now, when, you're, when you know the season that you're in, you prepare accordingly. You walk accordingly. And uh, I want to give you this third and final dream uh, that, that I had. The first one, that theme was urgency. The second one, compassion. And today, uh, I got to tell you, this third dream, God knew how to wake me up in this, on that day on September 24th. Uh, this, this dream uh, was amazing. There's something in the heart of men. Can I just talk to the men here in the room for just for a second? There is something in our hearts that still connects to producing something with our lives. There is something in us that says, hey, I need to do something meaningful. I want to do something that makes a difference. And at times, by the way, it moves off the internet and off your computer and onto machinery. You need, you need stuff that cuts stuff and breaks stuff and does stuff, okay? So in the dream, all the men in here are like, yes, that sounds great. Can we do that? And, and shoot stuff and blow stuff up, okay? Right? And so... In this dream, this third dream, after having the scene of, of emergency and then the scene of compassion, suddenly God thrusts me into a scene where I am riding a tractor. Oh, it was great. It was beautiful. It was a great kind of a dream. The kind of dream you didn't actually want to wake up from. And there in this dream, I'm riding a tractor and I'm approaching the golden hour. The sun is tipping down, and it's a beautiful time of day, and I know uh, in the dream, this is, not, this is not common Florida, bugs and pine needles. No, I'm in the middle of a harvest field. It's a wheat field, 
I even remember the brand of tractor I was on, and I'm sorry all of the Made in the USA guys wishing it was a John Deere. It wasn't. It was a Kubota orange tractor. Y'all are like, oh, terrible. I know, but the color is significant. The color is significant because for us here at Calvary, orange has always meant the, the combining of two generations. And so here I am, and I am on this tractor. It's not a massive one. It's not one that's air-conditioned. I'm on this tractor, and I am harvesting. And for me personally, it was so fulfilling. I was like, yes. Thank you. Until I saw the size of the field. And I look out and it is massive. And here's the truth. In the dream, no one else was in it. No one else was in that field. And in the dream, and in those waking moments, I, 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 I woke up with a sense of great fulfillment, but also great motivation. I knew that it, right now, there is something that God is saying to the church, and that is this. It is time to get into the field. It is time to become the people that God has called us to be. This is the hour. I knew in the dream that I needed partners. I needed people to cooperate in this. It was, it was way too big for any one person. Massive. And when I tell you I know for a fact that this is the moment, I know for a fact that this is the moment. On Thursday, on Wednesday night here, 13 young people gave their lives to the Lord. The next day, Pastor Corey was standing on a campus, and before school, 15 more young people gave their lives to Christ. I'm here to tell you, listen to me, and listen carefully to me. It's not enough for us to just applaud the ones who are going into the field and reaping their harvest. I want to hear your story of your 10, of your 15, of your 20, of your 2, of your 1. And if there was an understanding that I, was, I, I left from that morning as I was waking up, and, and it was this, the harvest is plentiful. Listen, I, 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 by the way, these aren't the ones who don't want to come into the kingdom. I'm here to tell you. I'm talking about the ones who do, who are searching for answers, who are ready for a meaningful relationship with God, and what they are waiting on is a laborer. And if there was a theme, I would title it this way, cooperation with God and man. I knew when I was on the tractor, I hadn't made the tractor. I hadn't fueled the tractor. I didn't build the tractor. It was so good to be on something that, that had more power than I did. 
I felt like, oh man, this tractor is representative of, of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Man, the fuel is there. The power is there. Man, it is, it is God carrying us into the harvest field. And by the way, that's how you ought to look at it. I don't know if you know this, but God says, hey, listen, the, it, it's not four more months and then the harvest. John 4 says, lift up your eyes. The fields are already white with harvest. They're ripe. They're ready. And and here's the thing. You're not just walking out there. You're being carried by the presence of God. You're being carried by the power of God. You're being strengthened by the word of God. But listen, even Jesus had some partners. Some people to run with, to cooperate with. Notice in Matthew chapter 9, these verses immediately exploded in my spirit that morning. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, remember this. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and disease among the, uh, among the people. What's he doing? Teaching, preaching, and healing. Teaching, preaching, and healing. By the way, you should probably underline that somewhere if you have a paper Bible. If you ever want to understand what the ministry of Jesus is, teaching, preaching, and healing. Supernatural. The ministry he passed on to us. Because he also ministered to us through the cross. But notice this. In the midst of doing all that he was doing, it says, but when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion. There's our word from last week. For them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, he said to those in partnership, he said to those that he was in relationship with, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I have to say this to you, and, and on, the, on the eve of one of the largest outreaches uh, that we have all year, the harvest is now. Right. Remember, the kingdom of God is here and now. It is here and now. God is moving right now, and I want to say to you, whether you are in this place and you're in the, the most the most energized you've ever been in your relationship with God, or if you find yourself in this room or watching online and you say, I feel far from God, I've got good news. God is moving in this hour, sweeping us ever closer, anointing us to use us in an unprecedented way. Now, here in this passage, Jesus gives us a, a, a label, a title. He says, he says, the laborers are few. I love the picture in the dream. The picture in the dream was I was on a tractor. And, and I, what I would say to you in the dream was I was at rest, but I was working. 
And I think too many people in the church mistake laboring in the harvest as making you weaker and weaker. When actually, when you labor in the harvest with the Holy Spirit, you do it in a spirit of rest. You do it all knowing, man, oh, this is his power. This is his life. This is his people. This is him. This is him. And so what do you do? You're glad to be doing it, but if you let compassion fill your heart, it won't be for just simply the people that are looking, you're looking at that say, man, their problems are huge. Man, I don't know how they're going to come out of that. You'll begin to say, we need more people like Jesus in this field. So I want to take you to a moment where, you know, I want to thank Alex Parker because we do a, we're now doing as a staff, once a month we're, we're coming together and we're, we're enriching just our staff. We're spending some time together. And, and uh, last month had a powerful message out of Mark 2 that was shared. And uh, he didn't know the, the dream. And we, we did this. And, and I, I thought, Lord, this is so, so funny how you put these things together. And we spent some time in this wonderful story out of Mark 2, verses 1 through 12. And this is a moment in Jesus's ministry, where I believe you can get a real snapshot of what it means to be a laborer in the kingdom. Holy Spirit is inviting you today. He's inviting you, church, to become a laborer in this kingdom. He's inviting you today. And listen, it doesn't matter if you feel unqualified. One moment in God's presence, one word from Jesus changes everything. I love this. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. And this is a great story. It says, and again, he entered Capernaum. Remember last week and again that we have to show up and be consistent again and again and again? Well, here's another again moment. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Oh, let the word get out that Jesus is in his house. Immediately, many gathered so that there was no longer room to receive them and not even, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. And then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through... They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their heart, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can, for sin God, who can forgive sins but God alone? Wow, great revelation they missed. That Jesus is God in the flesh. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, they reasoned thus within themselves. He said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or say, arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed and went out in the presence of them all. So that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. We never saw anything like this. 
Now, I want you to see this story from the, from the point of view of the laborers. Who are the laborers? These four men who were involved in this dramatic story. And let me just give you just some practical things that laborers do. Maybe it's been a long time since you've labored in the harvest field. Let me give you some, uh, let me give you some, some real strategic things. If you want to be a part of the harvest here, the first one is this. Laborers lift together. Laborers lift together. Look at verse 3. It says, then they came to him bringing, then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. We never get their names. We don't get their backgrounds. And by the way, when there are these wonderful stories in the Bible and they, and they just say, hey, there was men or women, I, I invite you to write your name in the story. Write your name in the story. And say, okay, God, if I were there, what would you have me do? Well, here's the first thing, church. Many times when we, we think about sharing the gospel or doing something meaningful for the kingdom of God, we just think about our personal responsibility. And I want to tell you what God is saying in this hour is lift together. Find a tribe and run with them and do something mighty in God. That's what we're doing in just a couple of days. Man, we are a family that God has called to impact this region. And what are we going to do? By the way, Larry said, come Friday, we're going to set up early. No, you can start, you can just, just stay after church, and we'll let you go home Friday night, or Saturday morning about 1 a.m. Okay. <laughs> we got plenty to do. But my point is, is that this issue, this problem, was bigger than any one person. How many of you know the problems that are facing our community is bigger than one person? How about the need is greater than any one person? How many do you know? I don't know. Do you know that Satan has the largest church in this county? And he's moving members in every day, which I'm actually quite happy about. Because we are here to plunder hell and to fill heaven. But we're not going to do it by ourselves. We got to live together. What a shared vision. I love this. You should write this down. Our capacity to meet needs, both spiritual and physical, is multiplied when we labor together. Look at Leviticus 27, uh, 26, 7 and 9. It says, you will chase your enemies, and they shall fall by the sword before you. Listen to this. Five of you can chase a hundred. And a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. For I will look upon you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. By the way, he says this. You get a small group of people to run with. He says five. He says, here's what will come on you. A 20 times anointing. That's what he says. Find five people. I will multiply you and favor you in my cause. 20 times. 
He said, but if you can get a hundred people unified, touched by God, saved by grace, full of the Spirit, here's what God says, I'll give you a hundred times. A hundred times favor. You say, is that biblical? You better believe it is. Jesus announced it. He says, he goes, when the seed falls on good and fruitful soil, he said, some yields 30, some yield 60, and others 100 fold. Why 30, 60, and 100? Here's why. Because I believe it is directly tied to the level of unity. A greater return in the kingdom has to do with how unified will I give my heart and my life to the people around me who are called to the similar cause, increasing the kingdom of God. Listen, if you want more fruit, don't think, well, I got to go out and do something on my own. No, link arms, get connected with other brothers and sisters, get connected. And you just start saying, let's go lift together. Let's go lift together. Let's go release the power of God together. There's a power released when we labor together. That's why my Matthew 18, 19, and 20 says it this way. Again, I, said, I say, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst. Let me just put it to you plainly. God moves when we lift together. It will be way more than... than on Friday night, it'll be way more than managing carnival games and giving out candy. It'll be way more than food tents and, and, and pumpkin patch. It'll be way more than that. Why? Because God is unifying a people to lean in in prayer, to lean in in reach, and we are going to live together. And God says by his word that when you live together and when you pray together, I release a power, a power to see things change. Impossible situations change. This man was paralyzed. Oh, here, can I give you, this is just free advice today. Stop qualifying people before Jesus steps into their life. Stop thinking to yourself, well, they need Jesus, but you know, he ain't working with much. Before you ever walk that out, why don't you go and stand in the mirror a little bit? Why don't you just try to remember what God started with in you? All of us. He wasn't working with much. Oh, but the work of God in a life. He saves. He fills. He changes. He qualifies. He loves to take impossible people and do an impossible work. But where does he do that? How is that released? It's when God's people live together. They live together. Now, not only do the laborers live together, but um, you're going to like this. Laborers lift again and again and again. They lift again and again and again. You say, what? Wait, is that a nice story? Oh, yeah, it is. It is. And I want to encourage you that this Friday is not the finish line. This outreach is not the finish line. It's just us lifting again. 
And you know what you're going to do the next day? You're going to lift again. You're going to step into your purpose again. You're going to step into it. Now, I love this. It says, first time they lifted him, it was where he was left. First time they lifted him, it says, they came to him bringing a paralytic. He's paralyzed. Where is he? Wherever the last person lifted him and left him. Those who were lifting, the first time they lifted, they had to go and find him. Church, listen, I've heard stories of God getting people here in the strangest ways. I heard the story. I, I'm serious. I looked them right in the eyeball. I heard the story about a day that God put a giant sign on 486 that said Calvary Church this way. I said, really? I said, how'd you get here? They said, oh, I saw your sign down on 486. I said, really? Which one? Eternity in hell is a long time? That's not our sign. No, no, no. The one that said Calvary Church, turn here. Got me questioning. Because I know a fact. We do not pay for a sign. Aren't you glad Jesus paid it all? All right. And I had to say, I don't know where that sign came from. I hope it stays up. But we don't have a sign. Oh, yeah. No, it told me where to turn, and I came. Okay. I'm grateful for that. But most times, as laborers, you have to go where they're laying. You have to go where people have been left by the world. You have to go and find them where they've been left in sin and bondage and brokenness, and they can't help themselves, and they're not getting up out of this condition unless a laborer says, I got you. I'm grateful for the supernatural. I want more of it, believe me. I am all for the supernatural move of God. But I, I believe we will see greater measures of the supernatural move when we see the natural move of the laborers. And what did they do? They went and found him. Stop expecting the broken to come to you. Dare to love and go and find them where they have been left by sin and circumstance. And I love this. They didn't just lift him and carry him. When they showed up, the house was so full of people. They had to lift him again. When they got there, so many people there, they must have said there, there had to be at least one person there that was really super practical. Right? Carrying this guy. Said, well, I guess we're going to have to come back tomorrow. And then they had that one crazy radical faith friend that said, uh-uh, no way, no way. Come on. This is why we're lifting together, by the way, because some, some, some of you are like play it safe Christians. You always need a crazy charismatic. They're about to bust out a flag at any time. 
Like this morning, somebody bust out a shofar in the middle of service. You know, I was like, whoa, I thought we was going to get raptured. And I'm just saying, you need somebody sometime that say, no, 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 we can lift again. Where? There's nowhere to get in. The roof. If you're a play it safe Christian, you need a radical believer around you. You need somebody walking with you, lifting with you that says, oh, there's still an option. How in the world are we going to do that? I don't know. Tie him up good because we're getting him up there somehow. And I wonder, do we, this is what we do sometimes. We'll pick people up for a while, hit one roadblock after picking them up. We just lay them right back down. Well, we'll come back, try again later. Come on, we need some people around us. Who says, listen, nope, we're going to go up and over this problem. We're going up on top. And they lifted him again. He said they couldn't come to him because of the crowd. So they uncovered the roof. They broke through this roof. Listen, you've got to overcome obstacles when keeping, when, when you're bringing people to Jesus. I love what Philip Smethurst says. You know, everybody wants to go to the mission field. He says, but then he tells all of his people, he says, missions is just 90% work and 10% glory. It's just work. And when you're lifting somebody who can't help themselves, it's work. I don't know how far they had to carry him to get him to the house, but then after carrying them, they had to lift them even higher. So what's my word to you? Keep reaching, keep feeding, keep serving, keep praying. But church, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. There is still a God who might give you the craziest instruction. Just get him on the roof and tear the roof off if you have to. I love it. Now, the first two you can clearly see. They, they went and found him and lifted him, and then they lifted him again up on the roof. But this, this part, this is the unseen way they lifted him. They lifted him in faith. Mark 2, 5 says, uh, you know, when Jesus saw their faith. Whose faith? Faith of the paralyzed man? Nope. Nope. Saw the faith. Of the men who lifted him and carried him to the house, who lifted him to the roof, and who tore a hole in the roof to get him to, to Jesus. Listen, I, I, I've got to say this. Listen to me. I want you to get faith now. That if you get somebody before, before Jesus, their life will change. Listen, when do you need to get faith? Before the inconvenience shows up. Before your inconvenience, before you hit the roadblock, you need faith that if I get somebody in the house of God, if I get them to the feet of Jesus, no matter what their condition, they will be healed, they'll be saved, they'll be delivered, they're coming out, they're coming out, but get the faith before you even get on your corner. I got faith. Why? Because if you have faith that God's going to honor what you're doing, boy, you'll be quick to go and lift. You'll be quick to lift them up on the roof, and you'll be quick to tear a hole in the roof to get them before Jesus. Why? Because you know who he is. This is why Hebrews 6, Hebrews 6 means so much to me. 11, 6 rather. 
It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, this is what faith is, must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Who was seeking him that day? Those four men. Those four laborers who were lifting together. Who were lifting again and again and again. They had faith for what? Transformation. Sometimes we use this in different contexts. But I want to I pose a question to you. What would happen if we used our faith to see the people of this region changed by Jesus? Here's what would happen. The harvest would abound. The harvest would abound. Jesus saw their faith and he moved in his life. I want to give you this one final thought. Laborers lift together. They lift again and again and again. But here's, here's what else laborers do. Real, genuine laborers, they let down. I use those words purposefully with you today. Before I read the scripture, I think sometimes we even say this. I feel so let down. Why? Most of the time it was because we were counting on a person to come through for us. Maybe somebody made a promise. Maybe, a, maybe you had hoped for a certain job or, or to get into a certain school. And you would say, I feel so let down. And you might even say in this room, oh, I don't know if I want to lift people up that way. And I don't, I don't know if I, if I you know, even have the faith to, to see God move in their life. I don't want to let anybody down. Here's, here's, I'm going to relieve you of all that pressure. It is your calling to let people down. Mark chapter 2 says it this way, verse 4. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd... They uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. They let it down. They let go. When did they let go? When they got breakthrough. When they got breakthrough. When the obstacle had been removed. By the way, this is not like a thatch roof. This is a hard roof. Many times of their, their, their roofs are, were actually hardened and mud, and they, they actually did a lot of practical things on the roof. So when they broke through, they broke through. And let me just tell you, that needs to be a picture of what our intercession looks like on behalf of those who are suffering, that we hammer and hammer at the obstacles, and when we get the breakthrough, here's what we do. When we get the breakthrough, where? In the place of prayer, what do we do? Let go. Let go. Church, listen to me. You can't save anybody. You can't, you, you're not the rescuer. Oh, but here's what we can do. We can, we can position and release people. Listen, 
to have their own encounter with Jesus. We have got to learn this as a church. Listen, if you think people stay saved because of your presence, you are so wrong. They're not saved by your presence. They don't come into the kingdom by your presence. And here's most of all, they don't stay saved. You have got to let people down to have their own encounter with Jesus. Some saints need to hear this because you've stopped laboring in the field. Never try to do what God alone accomplishes in the human soul through Christ. Never. This place, our strategy of everything that we do here is to create an environment where you can have an encounter with God. That's our strategy. Our vision is to see everybody saved. Well, we can't do that. To see everyone healed. Guess who the healer is? Not us. To see every person empowered. Guess who has to do that? Holy Spirit. To see every one of you answer your calling in Christ. Well, guess who does that? You and God. I love this. There was a moment when the four men faded into the background of this story. When was that? When the paralytic had his own encounter with Jesus. Now, some of you in this room may have been thinking all along, wow, I don't know if I identify with the uh, four guys that are doing something for God. I kind of feel like I've been left by sin and circumstances and brokenness in life and things that didn't work out. And now I feel like I'm laying here paralyzed. Think God brought you here today so you could be lifted up. So we can get you before Jesus. So that you could hear his voice for yourself saying these powerful words. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins You have to understand, before you ever take a step in your walk with God, it all starts with the voice of God saying, your sins are forgiven, you're washed, and you're cleansed. And now I love this. He says, take up your bed, your mat, and walk. You see, Jesus... If you feel like the paralytic today, you should know this. Jesus came to give us dominion over what's been dominating us. And we've been dominated by sin and brokenness for so long. And Jesus comes and says, I'm here to set you free. 